It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. We welcome you to our latest podcast. Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times will be with us in a bit as uh, we'll kind of analyze uh, what's gone on. But I figured we would start with senior VP and GM Eric Neander to talk about the big news that happened this week, and that is Bloom moving on to the Boston Red Sox. And Eric, let's start with um, context. How much of this did you see coming? I know that Heim had been up for several potential jobs like this at the big league level in recent years. I think given the impact Heim has made on on organization and the way he goes about it, obviously I held him, we all held him in extremely high regard. And I think that perception was shared throughout the industry. So this is something for us that we've been preparing for this possibility for several years now and uh, believe we are prepared now that it is um, real and it's happened and he's in Boston. I think we are prepared to, to move forward. But certainly, you know, as an organization, you know, we have a lot of really good people. And when you have really good people and you have success, it draws the attention from other organizations, and that's that's a goal of ours. But with it, you, you really need to make sure you're well set up to, um, to for people to step up and to fill in behind anyone that leaves for a greater opportunity. And we're going to touch on that. Um, let's just to give Hayim. Obviously, he spent uh, 15 years here. What are you going to miss most about him in terms of what he accomplished, and also as a person? Yeah, the 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 person, the personal side of it is uh, jumps to mind immediately for me, just given our relationship and uh, we've been coworkers and have grown up in this organization together. But but we're also great friends, and the the trust that we developed over time uh, along our, our our journeys, you know, collective journeys here in the organization, um, really allowed us, I think, to. Uh, to do a lot of special things together. So uh, that that's something that we'll take with me, and certainly the friendship, the trust uh, that, that we've been built over time. Uh, don't see that going away anytime soon, despite uh, our competitive natures and, and being on opposite sides. And obviously you guys worked together when it was came to discussing with teams. You might have split things up a little bit. Is it almost like a marriage, the, the two of you? You could argue that you probably spend more time with one another than you did with your wives, at least during the baseball season. Yeah, I don't want to um, draw too many close connections to, or similarities to that. But, yeah, I think as a our, – our working relationship was, was really close. And, you know, together we worked hand-in-hand and the oversight of the of the department in its entirety. And, um, you know, that, that requires a lot of time together. It requires a lot of communication. And, uh, you know, I, I really think the partnership that, that we shared in that regard was, was special and – uh, something that uh, we'll, we'll always cherish, but uh, at the same time, uh, couldn't think more highly of the people we have in total and excited to see them step up and to take on new duties. And we're going to touch on that in a second. Um, the fan may ask, who well, he's going within division. 
the the fear of that is that uh, any different situation for you guys? I mean, you tr- you trade so infrequently with uh, teams within division. It would even have less of an impact than if he were with a team you might have more contact with. Yeah, it's it's a great question and can understand the optics of of that and and why it might be a concern. I think, but you also have to look at the success that that Boston's had. They've won four World Series since 2004. Each of their last three executives have won a World Series. Two of them uh, have a very good case to one day be in the Hall of Fame. And and, and so I think more than anything, uh, Heim's hiring there, uh, I think, signals that the their level of competitiveness and, and the sustainability of, of what's been going on there over the last – 15 plus years is something that we fully expect to continue but uh, we have so much respect for the Boston Red Sox organization and um, and, and their level of competitiveness that uh, in terms of compared to our expectations of the organization going forward and 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 what we expect out on the field it doesn't change things too much it just keeps the bar very high and uh, that's that's just the realities of competing in this division and against teams like that. No question. And I think the other thing that's important to note is that in most cases, when either a top executive leaves or a, or a coach leaves to become a manager, it's not like 20 people are going to follow them out that door. Normally, there's situations where there's parameters in terms of allowing that one executive leaves, but it's not like a train is going to depart. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, yeah, that's that's pretty standard across the industry in terms of the practice of that and um, I believe we have a lot of really talented people that that want to be here independent of that and are excited for the challenges that await them do you have to also everyone's so paranoid in this industry like steel signing you heard of that between the Yankees and Astros are there things that you have to you may have to change in the offseason just when you're playing teams like Boston or if somebody else goes somewhere else just to make sure that certain practices certain Things that you did are slightly different, maybe not in terms of how you execute, but the way you communicate. Potentially, yes. I, I think, look, be it with Hyman Boston or not, we, we play these teams so much that I think it's important that your your quality control, your quality assurance processes are strong and that you're always reviewing the way that you communicate uh, and you're always reviewing your philosophies and, and what's shared and, and, and what's distributed. So I, I don't think I'm being in Boston will um, affect things too much in in that regard, but it will provide us a little extra reminder that they're they're the leader of their baseball ops department knows us and me as well as anybody, and uh, we, we will take the extra paranoia. <laughs> what what were the main responsibilities that he had, and how do you go about dividing them? And then we'll touch on some of the people that you're dividing them amongst. I was really. Um, Someone with me that that you know, supervised the baseball ops department as a whole, and the 200 and geez, almost 50 staff members I think that that we have at at present. And you know, he he grew up within this organization with a focus on player development, with an exposure to international in some areas that um, uh, I I did not spend as much time. And so um, you know that was his in depth knowledge of those areas was really helpful. But I think ultimately graduated to just full oversight of the department, um, you know, and, and, and that was the case for both of us uh, to manage the day-to-day and also the, the strategic elements looking out and beyond. So um, it is a, a very wide-ranging impact that, that he had, but part of what made I'm 
really good was his attention to the people that were growing and developing, you know, um, underneath our roles, for lack of a better term, and empowering them and, uh, frankly, preparing them for the possibility that one day he might not be here. And and with that, you know, you're seeing Carlos Rodriguez ascend to his role overseeing player development international. Uh, James Click is someone that's been here just as long as, as the rest of us, and I think we'll be a little more in the spotlight uh, because of this and um, does just absolutely wonderful work and, and will support baseball ops in a, in a general sense. And then Peter Bendix is someone that um, have leaned on uh, for a lot of our pro processes and decisions. And uh, he'll be promoted to the, the VP level with James and Carlos and, and fully expect those three guys plus our directors underneath uh, to, to be empowered and to collectively fill the space that uh, is left with Heim's departure. So the in essence, you've got almost like a triumvirate underneath you rather than filling Heim's position from the outside you're going to promote from within because you feel you've got the depth there just like when you lose a player at the major league level you've got the depth underneath in your system yeah it's important Uh, I I think we have a lot of people that deserve greater opportunity if we don't provide it to them somebody else will and and uh, as as sad as it is to see Heim walk out the door given everything we've we've experienced here uh, there is a component of it that's energizing, and that's to see a lot of deserving people have the opportunity to step up, be exposed to new things, and and really grow, you know, as as executives and as people. And uh, that that should be a lot of fun here as we move forward. I want to touch about each of those three people, Carlos, James, and Peter, in a moment. But trades with the thirty teams, did you, in essence, divide up conversations fifteen apiece, or were they sometimes you both spoke with a team and? Are you going to now handle that, or will you divide between yourself and some of the vice presidents that we mentioned? Yeah, I think the the guiding principle with respect to how we set up um, our, our communication with other teams are relationships, and you know, peer to peer, level to level uh, is a pretty standard way to <laughs> to start that process. But uh, we have several people on staff, you know. James, Pete, Carlos, uh, among them, that have strong relationships with other teams. And, and really, you, you want to prioritize um, the connection where there's the most trust and openness uh, in, in the dialogue because that puts you in the position to, to potentially find common ground. If you can't crack the door open, you don't even have the chance to, to take that step. So uh, with respect to how, how we'll do it moving forward, Haim and I would typically handle the conversation across the clubs and, and would divide it just to, I think, make the most of time and to avoid any bottlenecks. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes as we go forward. I'd expect to pick up a larger load there, uh, but um, not not looking to um, to be a ball hog of sorts. And at the end of the day, we have to do what we need to do to be efficient with our communication and uh, get, get the knowledge we need at other teams. And I uh, would expect that to be a team effort in some capacity. Let's touch on each of the guys. Carlos first. You had promoted him near the end of the season to a VP role. Um, how has he grown and what are his greatest strengths? Uh, he, he's grown tremendously. I, I think Carlos is someone that entered this organization as – a really strong talent evaluator and uh, has been exposed to leadership challenges, you know, leading our international group. And um, through that, I, I think his management style and his ability to supervise people has really taken off. And, um, you know, someone that is a very uh, gifted evaluator um, by way of the eyes, but is also a really 
wonderful connector with different perspectives and, and has a lot of curiosity. And, and I, I think that's something that you look in some of the areas where Heim in particular had a lot of experience prior. Carlos is really the, the perfect guy to come in and, and help uh, uh, take the reins, so to speak, with player, de- player development and uh, with international scouting just by way of his skill set. Um, so uh, something that, uh, you know, y- y- you can never have enough people that um, – have an eye for talent. He does that, and you can never have enough people that are humble and curious and uh, want to get better in leadership positions because they they ultimately connect a lot of people in the organization. And James Glick, I know James has had a VP role uh, for a while now. Um, how has he grown this year, and and what will his additional responsibilities be? Yeah, I think for James, you know, he's he worked really closely with with Hive and me over over time to oversee baseball operations as a whole and be it the day-to-day or be it more longer-term um, strategic thinking that uh, is critical to you know our success as we as we move forward um, with respect to you know looking looking forward he, he has been a, such an integral member of our team I think that's something that not I think I expect that to be something that only strengthens, you know, um, in terms of connect- connections with other teams, in terms of the, the communication with agents, um, just the day-to-day general baseball ops tasks that exist, the communication with MLB, the league office, et cetera. Those are areas where I think really going to lean on James, and he has those experiences prior. It's just going to be a lot more of it, and uh, he's he's certainly deserving of that and excited to see him take more on. And Peter Bendix? Um he got just elevated to this VP role with with Heim's departure. What can you let our fans know about Peter and his role going forward? Yeah, uh, like like many of us, uh, Pete's really grown up in in this organization and uh, spent a lot of time with Pete and have invested a lot of time in Pete really through his his whole tenure here. Um, and 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 Pete's someone that is very closely involved with our uh, player personnel processes and, and our processes in general uh, and uh, previous title director baseball development really baseball development was a matter of just uh, I think sharing information being a bridge of sorts to translate perspectives from from different staff and with different backgrounds and it's it's absolutely critical to you know the success of our organization because uh, we've grown considerably, and you really need people that are effective connectors uh, between perspectives. And he's done a lot of that, so I uh, would expect that that connecting to to continue. Um, I would expect, like with James and I, on um, kind of bigger picture strategic thinking, and then certainly with our player personnel um, decisions pre- preparation. Excuse me, that's that's an area where he shines, and uh, we'll continue to lean on him in that respect. To kind of close this, um, it sounds like you feel pretty comfortable. Um, obviously, it's tough to lose a guy like Haim, but feel good about where you guys are at. In context, look, when you and Haim were elevated, Andrew had left. He had done so much. Uh, Joe then left thereafter. Matt had to move over. Even last year, you lost Charlie and Rocco. But you're still the top. And congratulations, Sporting News Executive of the Year with with Kevin named the Manager of the Year. A lot of your your top people are still all in place, and there's a lot of continuity there. Yeah, look, um, it's tough to lose people. It's as much because of the the time you've invested side by side with them, and it's the personal loss as much as it's the 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 professional loss. I think we have 
a culture would like to at least think we have a culture here where we all kind of play the role of one of 200 and you know 50 for a, a clean number you know and and we all have our, our duties our roles but um you know it's no no one person makes this organization no one person ever has made this organization and um you know we we, we try to do the the absolute best that we can to uh to get the absolute most out of every staff member uh we can and um, I think that's going to keep us moving in the right direction and, and to allow us to take on, uh, you know, any any potential loss that comes by way of promotion. Thank you for a few minutes, and uh, good luck as you guys really get started in earnest now with the offseason. Thanks, Neil. Can't can't wait to uh, to get that part going here. Well, we appreciate Eric Neander joining us to chat about, obviously, the changes within the Rays' front office. And joining us now is Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times to get his perspective. And, Mark, I would say that – probably based on as many times as Haim had been considered for positions, that this shouldn't come as what many would consider a major surprise, correct? No, I don't think it's a surprise, Neil. I think, um, I guess the two thoughts would be, it seemed initially that the Red Sox uh, were indicating they were going to replace Dave Dombrowski internally, so it would be a slight surprise in that they went outside. Um, and that's really the only opening that there was this offseason, or at least to this point, uh, the Pirates are in the process or, or today have created another one. But uh, that was really the only opening to this point. And the other one is just the reality that, you know, Heimblum, not just that he's leaving the Rays, but he's going to a direct competitor. When, you know, Joe Madden left, when Andrew Friedman left, um, even, you know, on some lower levels, let's say when Matt Arnold left, uh, they went to teams in, in other divisions, uh, in other leagues, specifically in those three cases. So the fact that Bloom is not only leaving, but he's now on the enemy, he went behind enemy lines. He's with the Red Sox now, the hated Red Sox, the rival Red Sox, uh, I think just adds a layer to this that, that you know, maybe is a little different than the previous guys we've left in the past. Probably from a fan standpoint, you know, I wonder with so many folks still there from the previous regime in Boston, you know, it's probably going to take some time to develop some relationships and and some processes that may be a little bit different that may be able to combine what he's learned here versus what those folks have there and look they've won a lot there it's not like they haven't won before Hive came on board right and that was one of the more interesting questions and i'm sure as as i did you watched uh some mm-hmm. or all of his press conference uh, on monday in boston and i think one of the interesting things to me was he was asked about you know you're coming into a situation where they have had success and they didn't you know, they're not starting over. They're, they're kind of adding someone at the very top, but keeping the rest of the structure in place. And, you know, while Haim, as you would anticipate, would say that was a positive and spoke to the good, you know, foundation they have, you know, I, I do think in, in a weird way you could also say it's a negative because you're right. He has to uh, kind of come in over a group of people. They actually had four executives who were kind of sharing the, the duties of guiding the team since they fired Dabrowski in mid-September. Uh, he has to come in over all them. The manager's in place. The coaching staff, at least for the most part, is in place. So it, it is. And, and even their owner, uh, John Henry, said uh, in, during the press conference, he referenced how it's a very complex organization. And, and it is. They're multifaceted. There are a number of things. I mean, obviously, Heim's responsibility under the newly created title as, the title as chief baseball officer is to be responsible for the entire baseball operations department. But, but it will be a little different situation. It's not like he's going to come in and hire his own staff. It's like he's going to bring people with him from the Rays. 
and, and it is a group that's had a lot of success, but also a lot of inconsistency. I went back and looked you know, over these, these past 10 years, over this decade that's now you know essentially over, except for the last two World Series games. Uh, they've won two World Series, but they've also finished last in the division three times, and they missed the playoffs three other times. So it's really been a, an interesting decade of up and down for the Red Sox, and obviously they're trying to find a way to maintain the ups and minimize the downs. Mm-hmm. And generally, you hit on a, a key point, too, and, and I touched on this with Eric as well, that the train doesn't necessarily leave the station because one person does. Most of the times when an executive or uh, a coach or a manager goes somewhere else, they're really not allowed to take people with them for at least the short term, and uh, that would be the case here, too. Yeah, and I think the Rays have been pretty consistent with that. You know, when Madden left, uh, Davey Martinez did end up joining him, but I think that was a little unique situation that he had applied for and, and was considered a candidate for the manager's job, and they opted uh, for Kevin Cash. But, you know, no one went with Friedman. No one really went with, uh, like I said, except for Dave Martinez with Madden, some of the other departures. You know, that's kind of, I think, part of the unwritten rules. If you want to hire the guy, you don't get to take anybody else with him. And and you're right, the Rays, you know, look, Heim Bloom and, and Eric Neander, the GM, are great examples of guys that joined this organization as interns and were, you know, worked really hard and were, were rewarded for that hard work and promoted all the way up to the, the two highest positions in baseball operations. And, you know, they've got a, a really good staff, a really good network of, of executives that they feel comfortable with. You know, we're going to see Peter Bendix, who also was hired as an intern in 2009, is going to get promoted to vice president level. There's going to be kind of a trio of vice presidents that will absorb many of I'm Bloom's duties, Carlos Rodriguez, who was also recently promoted to vice president, James Click, who's been a vice president for a number of years now. So, you know, they have a staff in place. They have a lot of guys in place. And it's a trick question because you don't want to minimize the impact Heim Bloom has. Yep. And if you answer it one way, it sounds like you're doing that. But you're right. It also isn't the end of the Rays baseball operations. It's not as if, you know, the seven top executives all left or were fired or anything like that. I mean, they're going to have everything in place outside of missing one guy who did a lot of work and made a lot of key decisions. But, you know, he was one guy among a number, and he wasn't the top guy. Yes, and I think you hit on some really key points there. Um, and and I think maybe this also, you know, as much as I think we liked Haim and liked working with him, and, you know, he certainly was good to the media um, and, and, and very helpful over the years, um, I, I think what we learned this year with the Rays on the field is that depth was critically important. I think we're going to find that out, too, with the front offices. The front office, that depth also is critically important. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, another factor here is, you know, this wasn't unexpected. Like we, mm-hmm. we talked about at the Open here. I mean, the fact that there was only one opening to that point, and it was the Red Sox, and they you know, did send out signals internally. But Heim Bloom was a finalist last year for the Mets job. He was among the final candidates, if not the final two, for the Giants job. He'd interviewed previously in Milwaukee. He'd interviewed previously in Philadelphia. We know Arizona had reached out to him at one point. He declined an interview. There may have been others that we never heard of. I probably, you know, if I was going to guess, I would say there were at least inquiries, if not other conversations with other teams. So he has been a sought-after executive for a number of years now. So I, I, you know, in no way were the Rays surprised. In fact, you know, there's always kind of that old um, cliche that, you know, a GM always has, you know, a, a list in his drawer. Now it would be on his iPhone, of course. You don't have a list in the drawer anymore of who he would take if he had a fire as manager. You know, who would be the next people? And, you know, I, I'm sure that Eric 
uh, Neander had it in his mind for the last couple of years, you know, if and when Heim left what he would do with the department, and, and now we'll see him put that in place. Yes, and um, I mean, you mentioned Eric's still in place, obviously Kevin Cash still in place, so the top folks are still here. Um, and I think the other thing that, that you know, if, if you're looking at a, a situation where you're, you're dealing with loss and then guys filling uh, in, I think probably a better situation, let's say Haim didn't get this job and maybe he got a job next year. But in the interim, you lost two guys beneath him and then lost Haim on top of it. Some of your depth would have been lost, too. In, in now you're actually able to promote from within and give guys opportunity. Sure, and we, we saw the Rays kind of do something similar a couple of years ago on the pitching coach side where yeah. you know Jim Hickey was one year from being done with his contract. It kind of seemed like mutually they probably weren't going to renew him there was going to be demand for his services somewhere else. So they went ahead and made a move with him because they really wanted to promote Kyle Snyder from within before he got hired away somewhere else. And, and sure, I mean, the Rays have a lot of bright executives. And trust me, you know this, you know, you travel in these circles too. I mean, with the success that they have at the payroll that they have, you know, it's very easy to see why. And, and you can understand it. There's owners or team presidents, you know, having meetings with their staff saying, how is it that this team at 50 or 60 or $65 million can keep winning and we can't win and we're spending 100, 150, 200? And how is it they make trades that they're getting guys that help them and they're getting rid of guys that, that kind of seem to decline when they get rid of them and we're doing it the other way? I mean, you, you kind of get a sense of a lot of teams envy what the Rays are doing. And obviously, the way to do that is to hire some of their people. They've lost some people in research and development, they've lost some people uh, over the years on the analytics side. Uh, and now, obviously, we're seeing some of their executives get hired. And if you, the fan would ask, and I'm sure you got this question on Twitter, too, well, why not just have them sign clauses? Well, they probably wouldn't work for you to begin with if you did that and force them to a, you know, a lifetime situation. The goal is within the game is to, to grow and, and gain opportunities, and this is you know, what the Rays have done. Right. You can't hold that. I mean, I, I saw some of those same questions, and I, I didn't reply. You can't. <laughs> tell someone you can only have a job here, but we're not going to let you leave somewhere else for a higher position. Now, a similar position, a lateral move, sure. The Rays would have it in their right to say no to that or at least to react and, and go to that person and say, hey, you know, we don't want to let you go. There were teams asking about you, but we're going to give you more duties or we're going to give you a raise or we're going to let you be on Neil's show more often or whatever it takes to get somebody to want to stick around. That would be a punishment, but, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the reality is, you know, you can't you, you can't not let Heim Bloom go to the Red Sox if they're giving him a bigger and better job. You're right, because the next person that you're going to want to hire is going to say, well, wait a second. And, you know, you can't do that. You can't hold someone down. And the converse of that was when I had some people saying, you know, why don't they do something to keep them? Well, you know, I, I have no idea what Heim Bloom's making, but let's say, let's assume he was well compensated. So, you know, giving him a little more money wasn't going to be the difference here. He wanted a chance to run his own organization. You're pretty happy with Eric Neander and the job he's done. So mm-hmm. outside of replacing Eric Neander with Heim Bloom, there was, there was no way to keep him. Those, you know, those questions were just trying to throw something up that wasn't there. There's nothing the Rays could do. They've got a really young, bright executive who's ready to, you know, get an opportunity to run his own department somewhere else. You have to let him go. Wish him the best and hope he doesn't beat you out in their own division. Exactly. And I think we're happy for him. And now uh, going forward, you uh, start to figure out uh, what next year looks like because. We're, what, one game away from uh, potentially seeing the end of the World Series and now moving on to the true offseason. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think um, this probably took up a little bit of time 
in, you know, how much, you know, what Eric Neander and his staff were doing. We know they got a little bit of a late start on the offseason, thankfully, in their view, because they were in the playoffs and, you know, did go to a full five games in the division series. And you know, I heard Kevin Cash uh, the other day on the radio saying, you know, he was okay for a couple of days. Then he was in a really foul mood for about three or four days. And then he kind of got over it again. So, you know, they took about a week, the whole front office and the coaching staff, everybody of, you know, I think Cash used the phrase radio silence and, you know, now they're back at it and they're starting to make plans. And once the world series ends free agency, you know, players can declare the next day, the race have three free agents. I think, you know, they're all going to declare for free agency. I don't think there's any deals in place to keep anybody that's so guard Garcia and Darno. Uh, then there's about a five day window where teams can kind of talk to people. It's kind of a soft opening, but you can't sign anybody resign or bring in somebody new. Uh, the Rays typically are not at the front end of free agency, so I think they'll do a lot of their typical listening. They'll call, they'll reach out to players, but I don't think you'll see them sign anybody from there, and then it'll be a normal offseason. So there's a little bit of catching up to do. They've got to get a better handle on the catcher's market. I, I wrote in the Tampa Bay Times yeah. last Sunday, you know, one way or the other, they've got to get a feel for what Darno wants. They don't have to sign him. They don't have to make a decision, but they have to get a feel. You know, does he want Neil Solon's money, or does he want Dave Will's money? And then they're going to have to figure out you know, where's he going to fit in? Is it possible to sign him? Is it not possible to sign him? If he wants Neil money, he might be gone. They might not be able to keep him. If he's going to be happy with Dave money, maybe they can keep him. Yeah, but in, in all seriousness, they've got to get an idea of what he's looking for and know, hey, this might work, or we've got no chance here. We better start coming up with plan A, B, C, and D. And you don't just lose a catcher if he goes somewhere else. You lose one of the right-handed hitters that hit in the middle of the order, too. So you may have to think of, a couple of plans if he's going to go somewhere else. And obviously if you have a chance to sign him, you also have to determine how long you're going to wait. You know, if he wants to, if he has a certain number in mind and you're not willing to get there, how long do you want to wait and let him have that? Or how long do you just say, all right, we're going to have to move on without him. Yeah. And I, I recommend people read that, um, that column from uh, the Sunday times uh, from Mark on the catching situation and the start of the off season. And uh, I'm sure we'll be catching up plenty over the next uh, several weeks, Mark. Uh, thanks for a few minutes. And, uh, uh, happy off-season. Anytime again, Neil. We'll see you. Well, we appreciate Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times being with us. We certainly appreciate Eric Neander joining us as well. Uh, we're going to have a lot on our blog over the next uh, week or so at raiseradio.mlblogs.com. Uh, after this week, I'm going to be quiet for a week, so to speak. Um, the Premier 12 event is going on in... Uh, well, in several parts of the world, but I'll be over in Korea uh, broadcasting that. And then I'll be back the following week, and who knows what kind of news we'll have then. Uh, but we're sure to have other podcasts as we go. We thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.